millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. So Alex is the guy that, that has drawn all of the 100 and 200 fish in the game. He had done a couple of aberrations and he said, look, I did this one, but I couldn't really make it work. So here's, here's the actual one. And the first one that he'd delivered was basically just a fish that had just fucking exploded. <laughs> Welcome to Pocket Buds, a back pocket podcast where I talk to my best buds about video games and stuff. This week, we're talking about Dredge. Twenty twenty three was, to put it simply, a big busty year for video games. We know the big ones, Baldur's Gate 3, Alan Wake 2, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, the list goes on, but I don't want to name anymore. To go along with the big boys of 2023 were many, many fantastic indie games, Sea of Stars, Tachia, Cocoon, Slay the Princess, Videoverse, and so on. But if you thought I was done with opening sentences followed by listing video games, you'd be damned wrong. 2023 was also a great year for Australian indie game releases like Straight Gods, Mars First Logistics, Knuckle Sandwich, Gubbins, The Master's Pupil, Killbug. Oh my god, there were so many, and I'm generally not very patriotic, but it's hard not to be prideful of some of the stuff that's come out of this place. But now I'm done with listing games, so don't worry, is what I would say if I were lying, because 2023 was also a great year for New Zealand game releases. Polybridge 3, Turbo Overkill, Plasma, Flutter Away, Atone, Heart of the Elder Tree, and of course, the game of the hour, Dredge. Picture this. You're a humble fisherman that's decided to take up a job listing as a small coastal town's local angler. The townsfolk are hungry for seafood, and you're the guy that's going to feed it right into their gullets. It's just you, your little motorized fishing boat, the open seas, and the same old fish that live within it. Except they're not the same. They're all messed up and yucky, freakish creatures of nightmares. 
Also, everything is not as it seems the further you venture out. This isn't what you signed up for, but you saw on a shirt once that while something may not usually be your responsibility, 20 bucks is 20 bucks, so you just keep fishing. Dredge is a completely normal fishing game, is what I would say if I were lying again. But really, it's a single-player Lovecraftian horror fishing game developed by New Zealand-based studio Black Salt Games. You play as a fisherman that initially works as an angler for the coastal town of Greater Marrow, but eventually find yourself learning more about just what made this archipelago so full of eldritch horrors. The critical response to Dredge and its following success was immense. A solid critic score of 85 on Metacritic, reviewers praising its atmosphere, audio design, visuals and gameplay loop, and over 100,000 copies sold in the first day. By October 2023, it had sold 1 million copies. No denying it, Dredge was slaying. This little fishing game that could also went on to be nominated for a whole bunch of awards and even won a few in the process. And on top of that, with the awards that they didn't win, there were a substantial amount of people screaming Dredge Robbed online. So isn't that a win in itself? Since its success, we've seen the game get some welcome additions such as photo mode for the photographers and passive mode for the cowers, new ways to yassify your boat and also some horrible crabs. As well, Late last year saw a crossover with Dave the Diver and its first DLC, The Pale Reach release, with its second DLC, The Iron Rig, set to come out this year. But you probably want to know what I think of Dredge. Personally, I hated that shit. Is what I would say if I could not stop lying. Normally, I wouldn't find myself drawn to a game like Dredge. I'm a baby who jumps at the smallest thing. I'm the coward. I think there's something under my bed and that's on a good day. However, I found myself getting lost in Dredge. The fear I felt when day would turn to night and I would start to lose my mind was surprisingly engaging. The Resident Evil-style inventory system of the boat felt like playing wet Tetris. The harrowing sound design mixed with the immaculate music of David Mason was an auditory dream and nightmare. Everything looked so beautiful, even the horrible creatures. I got my shit thoroughly rocked by Dredge. So, of course, I wanted to learn more. What went into the creation of this game? What went right? What went wrong? Did the team ever get scared? What's scarier, an ocean filled with eldritch horrors or the very real deep sea creatures that we rarely get to see? Joining me today to talk all about their neat little game are Mikey Bastions and Joel Mason from Black Salt Games. Hello, fellas. G'day. How's it going? That's a heck of an intro right there. (laughs) Thank you. I do my research. We found that I can read and so I've put it to good use. (laughs) how's your day going yeah yeah it's uh it's going good we're sort of in the throes of working on our next dlc as you mentioned uh the iron rig so i've just been like writing some of the script to that and mikey you've been modeling some stuff up right yeah a bunch of stuff for like some cool things to look at in the game i guess going forwards how exciting well i know that with the pale reach that was in the the cooler side of the ocean and from what i saw a lot of it was kind of focused on new fish new gameplay aspects do you find that with the iron rig you've gone for a more story heavy direction or maybe just a bit of column a bit of column b yeah it's certainly both we we wanted to to add more to the story specifically the backstory of dredge and and allow players to find out more you know dig a little deeper into the mysteries but also adding more more gameplay features and adding more loops to things you know the pale reach was sort of 
more of the same, I guess, with Dredge. It was just another region, which was a safe expansion for us to make. Whereas the Iron Rig is, you know, we're, we're doing some new things. We, we've got like a, a craftable base um, that, that players will be able to build up. And yeah, so there's some, some new things we're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And so with Dredge, where did the idea start? Like, wh- what did it look like in its early conceptual stage? So the the very first manifestation of Dredge was, I guess, in my head or in a Google document as a top-down, turn-based, grid-based fishing game, which is very different to the game that very it is now. Different. <laughs> but it, it sort of had the same tone and the same vibe as Dredge has. It was, I guess, a little closer to, like, Papers, Please in some ways, where it was about doing a relatively mundane task over and over and then sort of making some tough decisions back at home based on like the money you would get from selling your mackerel for that day. And then when I pitched it to the rest of the team, you know, there's always the, the sort of ideation sessions that we have, which is like, oh yeah, but what if this happened? What if this instead? And, and from there, it, it developed into a much more sort of free-flowing adventure game still with the same vibes which has always been like a core pillar of dredge the vibe which is such a really hard thing to nail down but it's uh, it's something that people pick up on i think yeah that atmosphere and look of the game didn't really change too much other than things getting like a little bit more sharper here and there now there is but yeah it looked pretty good right from the start anyway totally well i remember you showed off a little bit of early development footage at Freecon in melbourne last year and i think everybody was shocked at just how much it kind of looked like it was at the end of development despite being such an early look at it and you know vibe is such an important thing and I think horror games have kind of had a bit of a boom in the past few years with some of the most popular ones looking one of two ways either hyper realistic or like a PS2 game and I feel like Dredge doesn't really fit either of these visually but still kind of instills a strong sense of dread when it wants to so what kind of goes into building fear in a game that doesn't per se look like your average horror game i think um some of dredge's like stylistic strengths come from what we do with the sense of scale in the game uh you know it's it's almost like a diorama in some ways the proportions are all out of whack you know the boat is the same size as the house which is kind of the same size as you know another island over here which doesn't really make sense but it makes you feel kind of small and insignificant really in a really subtle way and then also we do a lot of things with juxtaposition right so the the day and the night cycle is is a a big big part of the game where the day is kind of like nice and pretty and the sunrises are are gorgeous and the colors are pretty to look at and then you know night comes and then the fog rolls in and things get quite claustrophobic and it's it's that yeah juxtaposition of the two elements that i think keeps it fresh for people yeah i think another thing that really adds into that is you kind of schedule in when you're going to get scared because you pretty much know that things are going to get a little bit spooky at night so you know that okay if i stay out too long that's when all the bad things are going to happen. And then what we try to do is we try to tempt the player out just a little bit further so they do kind of get distracted. They're catching that last fish or trying to get that last probably dredged up of material and they keep hitting up the things and it keeps going back further and further. And then next minute you look up, it's in the middle of the night and you're like, okay, it's dark. I can't see where I am. I wasn't meant to be out here right now. I don't like the scary stuff. And then that's when all the panic really sets in. Oh, that was me. I was immediately going home the, the, the second it hit nighttime. I'm like, oh, I'm going to bed. 
Goodbye. Yeah. And <laughs> so, that was actually really important for us to like let players opt in to the horror like that because we're also not horror gamers ourselves. Like we we like the vibe in horror yeah. games but not the spooks necessarily. Um so yeah, allowing players to be like, Yeah, no, nah, I'm I'm calling it quits, it's five PM, the sun's getting to the horizon, I'm I'm done for the day. And and largely you can play the whole game like that you i think you have to go out and get a couple of fish at night um actually that one that one might be optional you can play the whole game at daytime <laughs> i think if you want to i mean you know it's important to to give people that choice and i mean at the end of the day like you are uh just a fellow with a job and you know you got your start time and you got your end time so not only is uh going after uh after it hits nighttime scary but it's also not so ethical when it comes to work culture, if you really think about it. And I think that's what Dredge is all about, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's certainly players who just grind the whole time, you know. <laughs> like, we've seen people with, like, fully upgraded boats before they've, like, left the first area, basically. People, I mean, almost ruin the game for themselves a little bit yeah. just by spending, like, 10 hours just catching mackerel over and over. But, <laughs> hey, if you want to play the game like that, you can. That's fine. It's legal. Well, I mean, like, I think that's a really interesting thing as well that not just with Dredge, but I've noticed more recently looking at how other people play games. Have you been surprised by how different people play Dredge? We do a lot of QA on our side of things as well. We QA things quite a bit as well. And I don't think we ever really saw any, like, two people play the game the same way. Everyone always played things slightly differently. Like, we saw the person that just wanted to just see what was actually scary to see if it actually was scary enough. And then get the <laughs> other people that are just like, nope, I am not going out. I'm going back at 4 p.m. to make sure I don't even run the risk of being out there in the evening and everything as well. So it's been really cool to see it and also making it really interesting to kind of better understand what our actual audience was actually going to be. Because I think our original audience was like, okay, I think these are the kind of people that are going to get a kick out of Dredge. And then after a while we realized, oh, it is a lot bigger audience than we kind of originally thought we were going to get. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's kind of two different levels where people can play the game differently, right? There's the sort of the first few days and, and what players do and how they act and what, what they choose to spend their money on. And, you know, we have to make sure that the game still works if you choose to ignore all of our warnings and you just sail out into the night on the first night. But then there's also like the, the sort of macro level of like, well, which which areas do people go to first? Like we tried to keep it really open. We were pretty heavily inspired by um, Breath of the Wild's open world where, you know, you can do any of the four divine beasts in that game in any order. There's kind of a recommended order and there is an order that most people do it in, but you can do it in any order. So we wanted to try to keep that, which which was a challenge because we had to make it so that it was theoretically possible to do things in any order. And we, we certainly see people, you know, head out of the the opening bay and sail on to the uh, the hardest zone first because <laughs> they seem to like people seem to like turning left for some reason and that's the way they go. We did try to like band aid some of these things by like you know Mikey you, you modelled some islands to like cover yeah. up the final zone so that people yeah. didn't just see it. The screen islands which are like these big tall things so you can't actually see the big volcano in the distance and we're like okay. People are going straight to the big, massive volcano, because <laughs> as you would. So let's just put something else in the way that kind of, once you go into it, you kind of get funneled back and you get pointed back the way that you came as well. And then you get like a whole bunch of other spooky encounters like, okay, yeah, go back to the start because I know I'm not ready for this rather than them going all the way out to that volcano right at the start. 
so there was there was a lot of that balancing based on a lot of playtesting. So we spent about two years on the game, but the game was sort of functionally done after about a year and a half. And the last six months is, you know, bug fixing, polish, and then just like fixing all of these little things like these routing issues, usability issues that people have just to sort of make it a better experience. And it's really interesting hearing you kind of mention Breath of the Wild as an inspiration, because to me, if anything... I feel like if any of the Zeldas are going to be an inspiration to Dredge, I mean, Wind Waker, right? You're on a freaking boat. But in saying that, I totally see where the Breath of the Wild connection comes from. And would you say there are any other kind of big inspirations that you had from other games in the creation of Dredge? I'll say that it wasn't Wind Waker because I haven't actually played Wind Waker. Oh. And I haven't played Resident Evil 4, despite the inventory that system. That was the funniest thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was funny because the remake came out, like, I think a week yeah. before Dredge came out. <laughs> yeah. But no, there, there certainly were a, a lot of um, inspirations. You know, sort of more recently, things like Subnautica, things like Sunless Sea that have, you know, strong nautical, creepy vibes all in sort of different forms and different gameplay loops but i also like to point to games like uh frostpunk as well which i see frostpunk as having such a really like strong sense of tone throughout everything and that's that's what we sort of try to aspire to and darkest dungeon as well has such such creepy dialogue you know it's just like dripping dripping with tone and going back even further i think it's hard for me not to be inspired by like shadow of the colossus which is so such a lonely game Mm. uh and i think i think dredge it has a lot of sort of isolation themes to it i think we'd all be playing a particular game every now and then we'd we'd be going oh that's kind of cool how they did that in elden ring let's maybe pull that in just something a little bit that was close to it at the time not putting in the playing things in for the sake of it but there was like a problem that we just happened to be having. And I was like, well, they do it like this in this game because we're all playing it right now. Yeah. Let's see if it works. So there was a lot of that throughout development as well. Yeah, I mean, that totally makes sense. And like, I'm still just in, I think, I think shock is the right word when it comes to how long Dredge took to get made. Like, like I mean, yeah, as you said, uh, uh, two years of development but really it was done in the first year or so like that's crazy (laughs) like like that's crazy so like were there any kind of significant successes or challenges that you kind of faced during development there was certainly a lot of like technical challenges you know this was this was our first console game was our first first steam game actually you know we were historically mobile developers so there there, there were some hurdles there you know there are always things like getting the controls to feel right oh this controller doesn't have enough buttons on it now i'm gonna have to make a radial menu or uh, you know that kind of stuff that, that i think every game probably faces uh and alex who was our um lead artist spent probably like eight months getting the water looking right um you know always just tweaking something and you know adding reflections taking reflections away adding them back in again but i think our our successes are are basically you know sticking to a deadline you know always treating the project as it has to get out it doesn't matter how good the game is no one's going to play it if it never comes out yeah we never thought of dredge as like well this is this is going to be a smash hit you know as our first game we almost expected it to fail being realistic you sort of have to in this in this market it's so saturated so volatile yeah and especially with such a weird weird like concept of a horror fishing game you have to think well okay it's got a pretty niche audience it's not going to do millions and millions of copies let's treat this as a learning experience 
And so we did. We learned a lot about game design. We learned a lot about playtesting and marketing and all of these other things that um, that were new to us. And so, yeah, I think I think learning is probably our, our largest success. I mean, you know, you learn something new every day and the bigger your brain gets, the better, right? Was there anything kind of in the conceptual stages of Dredge that uh, didn't end up seeing the light of day? I mean, like the Pale Reach was pretty much a great example of that. Like, because we originally like, okay, like Joel said, we had a really good idea of what we were going to make and how long it was going to take pretty much right off the bat. So we knew how long everything was going to take us to create everything. And then early on, we had to cull off one of the areas and it just happened to be the ice world that we were thinking about. <laughs> and then eventually it was like, well, we've got a bit of a chance now. Let's maybe do this. Yeah, there was... Uh... I think we employed a bit of sort of video game liberties with our with our biome selection. You know, we've got the starting area and then we've got like the tropical area, the swamp area, the volcano area. And we did, of course, have the, the ice area that has now come back in in the Pale Reach. But there, there were a few other like mechanics that we sort of toyed around with uh, very early on. You know, we when we were scoping the project we sort of said oh yeah this area will have this monster and it'll behave something like this and then the player will do something like that to get around it and then when we got to those areas we would sort of solve those design challenges and one of them was going to involve a harpoon Uh, there was going to be a monster that was going to chase you or like ram you or something and then you were going to have to harpoon them and kill them probably or maybe chase them away and there were a few reasons why we why we cut that one was sort of teetering on the line of seasickness inducing for some players already with the waves and the camera and then having to like maybe go into first person mode to aim this harpoon or there was going to be some complications there also the sort of eldritch and like cosmic horror themes tend not to be about like killing the monsters i will note though that you do blow up some monsters in this game so we didn't stick to that entirely closely <laughs> but yeah so we avoided it for, for some of those reasons as well as i think we had recently added the like dolphins and the whales to the game and we knew that people are going to want to like harpoon our sea life and we didn't want that to be a thing so we cut the harpoon that's <laughs> that's that's so so deeply fair we understand the gamer mind like we even set things up because we thought people would probably try to run those creatures over as well so then we always had to do a whole bunch of things like oh but what are people going to do to really mess with this creature and like oh let's just make it duck down every single time so i believe you cannot hit any of the creatures in the game oh that's a that's a gold star from me cannot <laughs> hurt any of the creatures a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. It's interesting that you, you mentioned that you originally started in mobile, and to me at least, Dredge feels like it's a game that could absolutely work on like a tablet platform or a phone. Have you guys considered porting it to mobile or iPad at all? I mean, it's sort of, as I mentioned earlier, with the various like controller limitations, it's a challenge and it's not like it probably could work. It's just not a challenge we want to pursue at the moment when we're, you know, we've got new exciting stuff, um, I guess, to look at. But we, we do we do get the... Uh, the comment usually in a derogatory sense on the steam forums which is like what the hell is this stupid mobile looking game oh my god (laughs) like look part of me understands the hate for mobile games it's a superiority thing right it's like people who don't generally play mobile games but they do play other games love to feel like in any way possible they have something over the average person and when it's mobile games it's so easy because like mobile games in the the average gamer's brain is like um candy crush so they see that and they're like i'm better than you but in reality there's so much good on mobile. There's, there's so much good on mobile and you've got your services like Apple Arcade and like Google Play Games where they they curate that shit. And so you've got some really good stuff on display and yet you still got freaks online and there's always <laughs> going to be freaks online, but you still got them going like, oh, what's this mobile? Grow up. Everyone have a phone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and the freaks are definitely like concentrated into the Steam forums. Like mm. I, I think I think we've been really lucky with our community. You know, we've got a Discord and a subreddit and a Twitter and all these things. And people are by and large really nice in our community. And then there is that time every day when I have to check the Steam forums <laughs> and I just get a, a pit in my stomach because I'm like, oh no, what stupid shit is going to be at the top of the <laughs> forum list today? Yeah. Well, that's where the real gamers are, right? Yeah, complaining about how we have, you know, female characters in the game. That's that's what real gamers do. Heaven forbid you see a woman in a game. That's, I mean, that's get the scariest shit you could ever see. Like, sure, there are eldritch horrors, but I saw a woman on an island. Um, okay. This is, it was, this is terrifying. It was the, we had a woman in a man's job, which is, I guess, doubly ha- bad as well. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, not only is so scary, but, like, would never happen in real life. So, Nuh-uh. you know, not only are you pulling me out of it, but you're making me shit myself. So, <laughs> what the hell? Zero stars. Bullshit. It is, it is entertaining, at least. Oh, yeah. You got to see the bright side of it. Sometimes it's just kind of funny. Yeah, yeah and it's fun to ban them as well. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. And speaking of banning... Were there any fish that didn't make the cut or any ones that you were super excited to get in there? What was the process of creating them? 
I think there's a couple fish that we had some really cool ideas for. I think, what was it? One of them, we were like thinking, oh, we want something on the boat that might mess up the boat. And what was it? Like one of those sort of like timber worm sea things or something Ooh, like yeah. that? I can't remember what it was called. But it was there's, just... there's some worms that like eat boat hulls and stuff. Yeah. And we were going to make it so that like when you ripped the worm out of your hull, because it was going to be like a bad fish, mm. uh, it was going to damage you or something. We couldn't quite figure out how to make that work. There was, I remember one, there was a, there's a viper fish in the game, which has a couple of aberrations which is our, you know, messed up fish variants. Mm. And so Alex is the guy that, that has drawn all of the 100 and 200 fish in the game. So he's kind of sick yeah. of it now. Um, <laughs> but he, he had done a couple of aberrations and he said, look, I did this one, but I couldn't really make it work. So here's, here's the actual one. And the first one that he'd delivered was basically just a fish that had just fucking exploded. <laughs> like it was just a mess, right? And we were all like, let's just put that in as well. You know, that looks cool. Like there was really no limit to how mess up our fish could be. But in terms of our process for making fish and like selecting fish, it was sort of a matter of saying like, right, okay, well, we're doing the, the mangrove area and then I would go away and look up some sort of mangrove-related fish. I'm a fish fan. I've played a lot of fishing games. I used to keep tropical fish and stuff. I knew a lot of these fish already, but I would, you know, Wikipedia them and be like, oh, yeah, that could work, and it could sort of have this rough Tetris shape or Tetris-like shape legally. Um, <laughs> Don't want to anger those uh, guys. Oy. Yeah, so, and then I would sort of hand that list over to Alex, and he would go and create them and then also do some just messed-up versions for, like, whatever he was feeling like at the time. Time. There is a there is a section of fish that are all like they have a lot of eyes. So I think he was feeling in a like eye mood at that <laughs> at that point. Yeah, I think when Alex ever got really confused as to how to make something look really creepy, he would just start putting human features onto things, or like just turning like I'm just gonna make this fish look like a hand, and then just put some like, creepy stuff on it, and it was like. Yep, that's messed up, dude. Ship it. <laughs> On the topic as well of fish that made it, fish that didn't, because I know that you guys get a lot of recommendations and suggestions from the community as well, which is where stuff like photo mode and passive mode have come from. Have you ever gotten any requests that are just bad? We often got, oh, can you put this game into VR? And then that is just a terrible idea because it's just like, yeah, people are like, oh, this, a VR mode for this game would be great. And then so I kind of did a bit of an April Fool's thing where I just like, all right, let's just see how this would look like in VR. And it's not great. Uh, <laughs> the waves do make you go up and down and everything like that as well. You get hit by a creature and then the screen just shakes you up all over the place and everything as well. So it's like, no, this isn't a great idea. But yeah, you still get the people who are like, oh, it'd be great. I'm like, uh, if you get seasick, then this is going to make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I mean, there's always the suggestions from people who are like, oh, you know, it'd be cool if there were like lasers and like magic and stuff. And it's like, well, I, I don't want to like knock all of all of those types of suggestions. But there is a multiplayer mod for Dredge that, that people have made. And again, it's a suggestion I think every single player game gets that this mm. should be a multiplayer game and I, I feel quite strongly that dredge should be a single player game because it's about loneliness and and isolation and also like managing time and stuff and it's not about just like hooning around with your mates and honking your horn and in the face of all of the night terrors and stuff like I'm sure that's probably fun, but it's just not what Dredge is about. I find it so strange that people would want multiplayer for a game where the point is kind of like you're alone other than the fact that it's scary to be alone and if there are real fears that are being created in the game you probably want a little friend with you i get it but also kind of defeats the purpose 
totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's already been so much added to Dredge. Is there anything else that you've kind of been thinking about for the future? We, we've we yet to announce any kind of plans beyond beyond the Iron Rig. Uh, certainly, the Iron Rig is taking us a little longer than we had initially thought. Um, so, so last year in, in 2023, we, we announced our roadmap and we said, okay, Iron Rig is coming at the end of 2023. And then when we were done with the, the free updates, we were sort of designing what the Iron Rig would be. And as I mentioned before, you know, it was going to add a bunch of like new systems to the game. And we realized that it was probably going to take a little longer than expected and wasn't going to be released in 2023. But we had sort of promised players that there would be something this year or last year rather. So we, that's where the power reach came, came from. You know, we, we shunted the Iron Rig back and gave them like a, a bit of a stopgap piece of content, which was the power reach. And now we're well into the Iron Rig now and that'll take us a little while longer. But yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a chunky one. Yeah, awesome. And something I found very interesting with looking at kind of the online chats about Dredge is I saw midway through last year it being labeled as a cozy game, which mm. I found very interesting. I play a lot of games. I played a lot of a lot of cozy games. And Dredge, I would say in the daytime, probably a cozy game. Anytime around that, I wouldn't say I feel cozy. So how do you guys feel about the kind of label of cozy game for Dredge? Yeah, I think it was like the whole the cozy horror genre that started like popping up that I've seen been seeing a few of those sort of like influences from like people of like, oh, we'd like Dredge's sort of approach to that that cozy horror sort of thing and i guess it's like you said there it's like yeah during the day it's very cozy and you can understand why people would like just go up and just i just want to catch all the fish pokedex the rest of this encyclopedia up and catch all the fish that's all i want to do and then i don't even want to have to deal with anything else which led us to actually introducing the entire passive mode which pretty much turned the entire game into basically a cozy game for nighttime and that's a little bit hard to see but yeah it was just like an interesting one because that was that audience that we thought we weren't going to get and then so to see a lot of those sort of people really latch onto it was a surprise but like a really welcome surprise yeah i think there's there's a certain uh, like amount of coziness that comes from i don't want to say the, the word monotony but like yeah going around and just like just catching fish trying trying to get the, the biggest mackerel you can because there's like a trophy size system in the game and yeah we just found that people just really attached themselves to elements of the game that we didn't anticipate um and yeah so we added the we added the passive mode and it, it, again like we we didn't expect the game to be as as big as it was and we we knew we had sort of already started by like designing ourselves into this pretty small niche of fishing game so we said we've got to take steps to expand our you know piece of the pie as much as we can and that was things like passive mode and also um just general design things like the fishing mini games we didn't want to make them frustrating like i love stardew valley but that fishing mini game man i really dislike it shit house and i love stardew valley but that fishing stink i'm not an angry gamer but i almost <laughs> threw my switch across the wall trying to catch one of those legendary fish i uh, yeah so that in fact inspired like the the design goal of okay the mini games in dredge cannot be frustrating and we even made it so they they can't be failed you can actually just just like start fishing and just leave it you can afk and it will catch the fish for you it's not as efficient but you you can so yeah we, we wanted to expand our audience and then at some point along the way we realized that we were pretty close to this this cozy 
group, I guess. I think that's a huge thing with making a fishing game or making a game that has fishing in it. I feel like everyone's kind of trying to do something different while also making sure it's not a harrowing, horrible experience to catch fish. Like, yeah, Stardew Valley's fishing system stinks, but it's probably also one of one of the most influential ways because I've seen that fishing system happen in so many other games that came after it. How did you guys go about kind of keeping the fishing system fresh what went into making sure that it didn't get fully monotonous we actually very nearly launched with only one minigame it was it was a relatively late addition that we mixed up the minigame so yeah we nearly launched with just a single circular wheel and we we knew we were going to get feedback because we'd already had feedback from people saying it gets a little boring some people didn't mind some people did and we sort of were were noodling on this way of freshening it up with some some different minigames in the different areas and you know a few months before launch we sort of pulled the trigger and implemented that which we thought was a little bit of a risk um but yeah i think i think it worked out like the the design principles behind those fishing mini games was like yeah it should be pretty easy to understand at a glance like there are tutorials but before we added tutorials we found that people understood the mini games um a lot of the time people would hit that first notch in the mini game without knowing what they were doing, which is something like a 0.6 of a second reaction time, which is like pretty good for people to understand what they're looking at. Um, so it had to be understandable, had to be easy, you know, wanted to make it as accessible as possible. Um, and it had to be roughly circular because it kind of looked like a fishing reel, I guess. That was another thing we tried to stick to. But there were only so many like circular games we could come up with. Uh, it was such a, I think we kept ruling so many of them out because it was like, this doesn't actually make sense or it's too hard or it's just too tricky. But I think one of the other things that we did really well with the, it's how we introduced the kind of mini games, I guess, as well. So in that first area, there's only pretty much like the two types of mini games till you can pretty much really upgrade your rods. So in the different areas, we were trying to introduce one extra type of fishing mini game into that particular area. So it kept things kind of fresh as you went to each of the different zones. And I think that's what we really want to do. Just add something that's a little bit different each time you go somewhere new just to keep that whole experience fresh, as it were. And if you hate the minigames, you can just go like trolling. You can just stick a net on the back of your boat and just like adventure while passively catching fish. Like that was another thing that we realized we had to do. Like people didn't want to be stuck on this UI screen all the time (laughs) and that they needed like we had created an adventure game, but people just kept stopping and starting and we needed to get people moving. So we added troll nets basically. Yeah. And I guess another really cool thing was, yeah, we wanted to keep the mini game super simple because as soon as you catch the fish, it pretty much starts up the next game which is the inventory puzzle sort of system so putting that first fish is easy but then the amount of times you just see someone that's just like i've got to fit this one last fish in and then having them make that heartbreaking decision of do i get rid of these two fish for this one fish or is there a way to get everything actually on board and then the whole tetris thing and then that distracts them again from what we really want people to be kind of forgetting about which is the time that's going on so you spend all that time thinking all right Yes, I've finally finished this thing. You've been distracted by that completely and you've forgotten what time it is. And then another thing that we do to try and get you stuck out at night. I mean, it's a clever way to do it. I, I, it happened to me a bunch <laughs> and then I got scared. 
Well, uh, another kind of huge thing for you guys is you also collaborated with another much loved fishing game of last year, Dave the Diver. What was that like? What went into that collaboration? So they reached out. Oh God, I can't remember when it was. It might have been August or something. And you know, I think we were we were underway with making making the pale reach. I think that the email got like stuck in our spam box for a while, uh, which uh, shames me to say. Uh, like, unfortunately, we've had so much success that our email inboxes have been pretty full um <laughs> oh well so, yeah, you guys yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah unfortunately we didn't get back didn't get back to them for a bit but then jho the the game director pinged me on discord and said oh can you can you check your check your email i, I sent your thing emails. and i yeah and i was actually playing dave the diver as he was messaging me which was a great coincidence but yeah they, they basically said that they uh they loved our game and of course we loved what they'd done and it was just kind of too perfect for us to not do anything with two pretty big hitting fishing games of the year and uh yeah they basically came to us with, with a pitch and showed us you know the way that they could sort of incorporate our messed up fish into into their game and uh, yeah it, it turned out really really awesomely um i'm actually amazed at how well it like translated into the like pixel art style yeah no they did a really good job with that and i think the main thing was is that they were really big fans of the game themselves as well so you could just see that passion coming through uh so i actually managed to catch up with jho when i was doing a talk over in shanghai last year so we both found out that we we're both doing a talk in Shanghai at the same time, like right after each other. And then so then that was like, oh, I didn't think that you guys were ever going to like get back to us. I was going to give you this because they gave us this amazing like gift box thing with all this Aww. sort of stuff. And it was like, I was going to literally send someone over to your office to like get your attention <laughs> just because I want to really get it in there. And then so because I think for the longest time, we're like, they're really popular. Surely it's not the real them or anything like that. And so we thought it was just like, ah, just someone just trying to phishing scam us or something like that. Anyway, they're probably after our bank details at some point in time, but now they've been really amazing people to work with and just be around and stuff. So it's been really Absolutely. cool. It seems like the perfect collaboration. If you could collaborate with any more games, have any more crossovers, be it in Dredge or in their games, is there any ones that come to mind for you guys? God, I haven't, I haven't really had the brain bandwidth to think about crossovers, but I, I do like to like sneak references to my other favorite games into into dredge there's a few hollow knight references and some like item descriptions here and there and, and stuff like that i think there's some is there some dredge stuff in cuisineer mikey yeah cuisineer thing yeah so i believe that they've got some random i think like portraits or something like that in the background that have got some of our fish in them as well so that's pretty cool as well and again it's just one of those things where you just meet them overseas and then they're like hey can we do something? And I'm just like, well, that seems like a pretty much an easy lift, I guess. Like, sure. Because I guess in typical Kiwi fashion, we're like open to any kind of those sort of like ideas and everything anyway. There's beauty in accidental collaboration. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, are you guys still riding the high of last year? I mean, you went absolutely crazy on sales. You won quite a few awards, got nominated for a bunch more. You, you're nominated for awards that have not happened yet that's exciting like like how are you feeling how are you guys <laughs> busy you know we uh we took a couple of weeks in japan like just before tokyo game show but i think other than that i mean we took a bit of time for christmas as well but like we haven't really had a break since we started dredge two almost three years ago now so so yeah it's it's busy but we uh you know we want to get we want to get the iron rig out to players and i think we'll probably take a little break after mm -hmm. that um and assess whatever whatever's coming next but uh yeah it's it, i mean th 
the like you said, the awards are still stacking up, or at least the nominations are. You know, weirdly, we're up for like Game of the Year at the Game Developers Choice Awards. It, it's like Baldur's Gate, Zelda, Dredge. It's like what the f- <laughs> surely that's wrong. And I think we're we're yeah. long listed for five Baftas at the moment. And I think in a few weeks we find out if we're actually shortlisted for any, yeah. which is which is crazy just to even even say. So yeah, there's a lot of things still going on. For dredge absolutely and i think if anything when we do have to make that long haul flight from one side of the world to the other that's when we usually try to tag and ah uh, i guess we could put like an extra week of a bit of a break on doing that before heading back to work since we're over here yeah <laughs> it's allowed it's legal you know you should give yourself a yeah. little bit of a break and I mean, considering, you know, there's still, uh, you're still working on, on the Iron Rig and there's a whole wide sea out there, but have you guys kind of been thinking of the later future, a dredge successor, something completely different? Yeah. So like we didn't expect dredge to, to do so well. And in fact, during the launch month of, of March, 2023, when we were sort of basically sat around waiting for, you know, copies of the game to be physically printed and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and there was not, not a whole lot we could be working on we had started prototyping a next game which is you know just part of our process we go through a bunch of prototyping um until we find one that we like so so we had started that and then dredge hit and it did pretty well and we rapidly pivoted back to to working (laughs) on that so there's definitely some ideas you know stewing in our heads whether they're the same as they were a year ago or you know whether we've learned a lot since then uh we'll see but i think we're all looking forward to a future outside of dredge at some point yeah i mean poor alex needs a break from the fish and yeah i think he is i think he is pretty much capped out on just fish (laughs) stuff anyway like not even just dredge but even beforehand at our own studio where I think he worked on two projects that also involved drawing fish. So I think for the last, like, I don't know how many years now, it feels like five, six years, he's just been drawing fish. <laughs> yeah, but no, there is there is certainly a future that is not fish-related at some point. And and that future is, is thanks to fish, at least. So we are thankful yeah. for fish. You know, they say so long and thanks for all the fish. And on that note, thanks so much for coming on, guys. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Where can we find you? Where can we learn more about Dredge? Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, so you can uh, find Dredge on basically every every platform, uh, every gaming console other than Stadia. And yeah, you can find us on, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram at Black Salt Games. Also find Mikey and myself at BSG underscore Joel or BSG underscore Michael, I think it is, on Twitter. Yeah, because apparently there was already a Mikey there somewhere. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much again, guys. I appreciate taking time to chat. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Thank you. My pleasure. And a big thank you to you for listening. If you're liking what you're hearing and you'd like to hear more, consider supporting Back Pocket over on Patreon. If you support us at the silver tier and above, you can get access to our bonus episodes. In this week's bonus episode, we'll be rating some of fiction's most well-known eldritch horrors, monsters, and cryptids. The Mind Flayer from Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty scarred actually from from this one because I I played Baldur's Gate with Alex, our lead artist, and yeah. <laughs> I watched him fuck the mind flayer, and I ah. I did not enjoy that. I yeah. mean, it, to be fair, it was a private cutscene, and I said it said, "Do you want to watch this?" And I said, "Sure, go for it." And I clicked it, and I saw a lot of tentacles. That's on you. In places, and there were like teeth and beaks and stuff. I didn't like that guy. And hey, if you really like what you're hearing, why not give us a five star rating or a nice little review? And hey. 
why not tell your friends and or enemies about us? You can also find us on Twitch where we've got our main live show every Thursday from 7pm and on TikTok where we're constantly posting very good stuff for you to cast your big beautiful eyes on. And then there's the socials, all the Twitter and threads and whatever, which you're also welcome to get around. Once again, thanks so much for tuning in. And as Cthulhu would say, bye. 